You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Instead of having just one passage of Scripture, although there's a wonderful passage of Scriptures that give extremely uh, profound examples of, of what a testimony looks like, just thought I would, uh, there's no way I can be exhaustive, but at least get the conversation started and for us to continue this conversation for the rest of our our year together. Um, my history with testimonies is I grew up in the church as a little guy in, in the church. I was in the free Methodist denomination and they would have testimonies. Sometimes it would be on Sunday night, Sunday night testimonies. Uh, why would they have testimonies? Why would they do that? You know, all, it's biblical for one thing, uh, all through scripture, whenever there's a, a thing to remember what God had done, an action, uh, the thing that he spoke, the, the, the Ten Commandments are called the testimony of God. And so they're placed in the ark. There they are, symbolic, written down, the word of the Lord, things that we're supposed to have and, and, and adhere to. Uh, they would take up 12 stones when they crossed the River Jordan. They'd put it uh, up as a monument to remind them of, of the supernatural miracle that God did that took them from one side of the Jordan to the other side. And uh, so, so we have testimonies and, and, and symbols and stuff like that. But in the church, when, when I was growing up, testimony was uh, somebody standing up and speaking something, S telling something what God had done. And it was amazing. And when, when we'd see testimonies, uh, sometimes it would be Sunday night because we were a little more formal on Sunday morning. But Sunday night was the relaxed service. Uh, as a kid, I remembered I couldn't wait for Sunday night to come. Hope we could endure through Sunday morning. But when Sunday night came, we knew that somehow God kind of showed up a little bit more. And, and when I was looking at testimony, I, I was trying to look at some of the Hebrew words and all that it means and stuff like that. It means uh, do it again. It literally means to repeat. To repeat. To affirm to admonish. When we get to the New Testament, the word testimony is very, very similar to the, to the word witness. You know, and so we, we find, you know, kind of a, a legal establishment. I was going to have Rick give us the legal word of, of what a testimony was, but when you give testimony, you, you've, you've sworn to tell the truth. And you're only going to be able to tell the truth about something that you know, that you actually, actually know, because you saw it, you heard it, or you were there and you experienced it. And so you gave a testimony. The thing that I liked as a kid on Sunday night testimonies was people would talk about what God had done, and especially if there were new converts present, people that just found Jesus, and they would just come up with these incredible testimonies and, and how clean they felt and how forgiven they were and, and just the, the, the mystery and the wonder of a new babe in Christ. And, and that was always fun, wasn't it? I loved it when they just said, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. Do you know that there was a flood? There was a flood? God flood the whole earth. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And, and just the excitement that comes from, from someone that's new in Christ. And, that, and that's wonderful. And there's power in testimony. 
There's power in testimony because testimonies are, are things that you give verbal or physical assent to that something God has done. And, you know, in the kingdom, everything gets established on the basis of two or three witnesses. You got to have two or three. And that's, that's why when Jesus is going to the cross and he's talking to his disciples, he's, he's, he's explaining to them how important it is to come into agreement, to have it established officially what he said and what he's done. So whatever we agree with, when there's two that agree, it gets established. There's something about official legal finalization that makes it so. Testimonies have power because when you hear it, 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 they're, they're declaring what God has done. And when your spirit hears what they say and your spirit connects and you agree with it, that's why in a lot of the different streams of the body of Christ, they've, they've discovered that there's power that's released in the power of a testimony. Why? Because when you speak it, that's giving your own personal experience of what God has done. And as you speak that out, you're declaring what God has done. And you believe it's true. But Marcus may not. And if he doesn't believe it's true, then he's not agreeing. And, and the power of testimony has been nixed right there. He doesn't get the benefit of the testimony. But let's say Jim does, he agrees. And so you give the testimony, your spirit agrees with it. And Jim says, amen, his spirit witnesses to it. And now there is, a, there is an access point for what God did for you to be done for Jim, to be released again into the earth. And that's the, that's the interesting dynamic of the power of a testimony that when we give a testimony that brings honor to the Lord for what he's done in my life, and you agree with that, you get the same reward, the same blessing. You get to repeat and reestablish the power of the Spirit to do again what's been done for one to be done for another. I, I was listening to Sean Bolts the other day, and I love his testimony of when he was a kid, his father was in the military and if his sister and his, his dad went out somewhere and it wasn't her birthday, it wasn't a special occasion, they just went out and they just happened to come back and she got some, some presents, she got some stuff as they came back. And Sean already knew that his dad was good. His dad was a good dad. And so the first thing he wanted to do is when his sister came back from having gone shopping with dad, he wanted to see what the receipt was. Because he knew it wasn't a special occasion, it wasn't a special day, that it was just a good dad buying good gifts for his kid. And when he saw how much he spent on her, he knew that his day was coming. That he could impinge on the goodness of his father at least for the same amount as what was spent on the sister, at least. Now, I think that's interesting. 
I, I kind of see that as, as, as a spiritual testimony. When God has taken you and revealed something to you and shown something to you, brought healing to your body, did something wonderful for you, and you give up, and you stand up and you give a testimony of that, all of us should be grabbing the receipt. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Especially those financial testimonies. <laughs> but any kind of testimony, those are the things that we need to take hold of. Well, we find testimony over and over and over. Um, Sunday nights were amazing, but Sunday nights could also be devastating because there would be certain people that would stand up and go to the microphone and you'd just cringe. I don't know if anybody ever experienced that. We experienced it almost every Sunday night that we had testimony night. So testimony night was just a real... <sighs> dicey kind of situation. You didn't know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates for us. <laughs> you, you, you had no idea. And so, so it'd get there. And the thing of it is, we kind of knew who, who to watch for. And one of them was my grandfather. Oh, my stars, my grandfather. When, and his name was Harry, and he didn't have any hair. <laughs> and he's with Jesus right now, and I know he's, he, he doesn't mind me sharing his story. But literally, there are some people that, doesn't, that do not know the discretion that you should use when you're giving a public testimony. And, and it's like, that would be the kind of thing that as a pastor would put a damper on my ability to really have a lot of faith and confidence to open it up for testimony because there would be someone like my grandfather who would get up and start telling some dirty laundry about the family or uh, would make inappropriate statements uh, uh, that was just, just not right. And, and the problem is when we have that kind of thing, we, as, as leaders, we, we have a tendency to shut that down because the risk is, is not worth the reward. But that's not true. The reward of a real testimony will always out outdo the risk of an inappropriate testimony. That's why if you give an inappropriate testimony, you probably won't be rebuked publicly unless you say Jesus is coming back today at two. Since we know nobody knows the time or the day or the hour, we can pretty biblically stand on it. But even then, I'll probably take you off to the side and say, now come on, Steve, you know that nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. So there's going to be a lot of grace, but at the same time, there needs to be an understanding that a testimony is to exalt the Lord. And when we're exalting the Lord, we're exalting him personally because of what he's done in our life, what we've experienced, what we've seen, what's been revealed to us. And so we're, we're, we're sharing that, and it's wonderful, and it has power to release something. And so sometimes, if, if we're not careful, the language that we use our testimonies can almost exalt something other than Jesus. I remember as a kid, on Sunday, you know, we'd have a missionary come in, and, and this one from China, and she would talk about the gospel, and, and she would talk about this, that, and the other thing. But even as a kid, I was sensitive to pick up. She was exalting the free Methodist church, not the Lord and his kingdom. She, her, her, her myopic was, and praise God, the Free Methodist Church came in. And, and I'm thinking, 
Jesus, something about that doesn't feel right. It sounds like we're giving an institution the praise and the worship and the glory for something that you've done. And so when we give a testimony, we always want the Lord to receive the maximum glory. Now, sometimes how we say things will determine how much glory he gets, whether he gets all of it or a part of it or a little bit of it or just a smidge. I want us to to be encouraged to keep testifying and growing, but understanding how how to use our words that we bring the very maximum glory to God. Anybody paying attention? We got anybody here? You understand that? Okay. okay. So a lot of times if we do it wrong, you're, you're not going to get disciplined or anything like that. But we want to learn how to do it in a way that brings more and more honor and glory to Jesus and more and more opportunity for others to say, I witness with that. I agree with that. Lord, do that again right now and see the fruit of that. Okay, Matthew 8, 4. Got to have a few scriptures so we can make it an official church meeting. Praise the Lord. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As a testimony to them. Here's an occasion in the scripture where testimony is used because Jesus has just done a healing act. And the kind of healing he did was leprosy. And it was the kind of thing that changed your social standing and what you were able to do in the community. So the lepers had to be isolated and they weren't allowed to make contact. But when Jesus healed, the process was they had to go to the priest, show what had been done, have their skin examined and all this. And the, the priest then to declare them clean so that they could enter back into the society. Okay. So this is a testimony, in a sense, to the doctor. The priest was kind of the doctor. He was the one that made the official official proclamation that you are clean or you are unclean, that you can re-enter society or you remained ostracized. And so here it is, and it's kind of like, this is why when, when Jesus brings a healing and the cancer's gone, or whatever the physical thing is the body, there's almost a sense in which we need to go back to our doctors and let them see. This, this is a testimony for them, for them to see what God has done. And this is one of the things that we get to do. We get to take and, and wear something on an x-ray or an MRI was the one way. Uh, now it's no longer that way. I like that. It makes it official. Amen. Legal and officially. So in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, Jesus is, is speaking. He says, and this is about going to your brother if, if, if you have ought and that kind of thing. So they're working out a difficulty where one sinned against another. He says, but if he will not listen, take, two, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So we see something gets to be official, gets to be legal, gets to be real, you know, when you, when you do it. You, you just can't say, well, I went over and I asked Chuck to forgive me and he wouldn't, so with Chuck, you know? No, no, no. 
If that's the case, then I say, hey, RB, can you go with me? I need to go over and da 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 da. And so we take another one or two to go, and so it can be official. Okay? Uh, Mark 6 11 says, and if any place will not welcome or listen to you, shake off the dust of your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. And this is the whole dynamic of when they're taking the gospel from village to village. And if you go to a house and they will not receive you, then you shake the dust and you go to the next one. Okay, there's an official testimony there. It's a symbolic act. Then with the gospel of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. So in what we call, you know, Jesus's little apocalypse where he's talking about end times, and, and here in Matthew, it's in chapter 24, as, as he's doing that, he's saying that the gospel, the gospel is a testimony to the nations. And that's why Mark says that every creature needs to hear before Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. Then revelation from God or a revelation of God or our experience, zillion opportunities here. But in 1 John, John the Baptist says, then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain, he is, it is he who will baptize with the spirit. I have seen and testify that this is the son of God. And then next, next day, here comes Jesus, and John declares, look, the Lamb of God, as Jesus was passing by. Mm. Then we, we've got the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, and just at the end, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And I find a lot of times in the presenting of the gospel and in the, the presentation of, of Jesus to someone, it's your testimony that oftentimes opens the door. And as they hear that, then they open their heart and they receive Jesus. And sometimes it's just based on, on the way Jesus came into your life. And as you share your testimony, they hear it and they receive Jesus. But like the town folks, then they go to Jesus and they believe even more because they've been with him. Testimonies are good. I use testimony, personal testimony, most of the time, just as a door opening tool. And then I like to get to the scripture and bring the Bible verses for the introduction of Jesus so that they can, they can encounter him and have a, an experience. Does that make sense? So after, after my childhood, you know, I get trained in Navigators 2-7, discipleship. I learn how to give my testimony in five minutes, under five minutes. And then I, then I go through training and I learn how to give my testimony in under three minutes. You know, and as a pastor, one of the things that you really, really are afraid of is if you have an open microphone and somebody comes up and they launch their testimony, but they don't know how to land it. And so they keep circling and keep circling. And we heard the story three times and they're still coming and they don't know how to get down. 
One of the best things when you're coming up to give a testimony of what the Lord has done in your life is not only get clear about what you're going to say to begin it, but know how you're going to land it. Know how you're going to to finish. That's so important, especially if you're sharing your testimony with an unbeliever. You need to know. And so I always use it as as a door opening tool. And when I get done with my testimony, then I'm ready to open it up for questions and then scripture and then bring in the gospel. Let them come into a conversion experience. Okay? That's the problem with testimony. We can talk about testimony in the marketplace. We can talk about testimony in in the church service. We can talk about testimony in the small group. Uh, testimonies pop up everywhere. Matter of fact, one of the things that we do in, in, in our leadership meeting every Tuesday is we want to know what this, what's the Lord doing. First thing we start with is, is we want to know what, what the Lord's doing in our lives. It's, it's, it's a time for testimony. It's a time to brag on who God is and to exalt and, and, and get lost in his goodness. Now we find that the power of a testimony has a direct relationship to what kind of experience you had with God. You know, I can testify to some things that I just know cognitively because I've been to seminary and I've gone to school and, and I know my theological position and I can just give you some theological argument and just say, this is true. The Bible says it here, 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 here but it hasn't rocked my world, but it's true. That has a huge impact. (laughs) You know, it's, it's like the testimonies that have power are the testimonies that are coming from your heart, that's coming from your experience. It's not coming from your philosophy or your ideology, but it's coming from an encounter that you had with God. Those kind of things are the things that we share that have an impact. Now, I, I, really, I really enjoy sharing revelation of, of things that I've seen in the Word. And, I, and I've tried, you know, I've, I've told you that I've had this revelation and, and it came again as I was looking at this. And so far it hasn't had any power no impact that I can see. But I saw, you know, for those that aren't here every week, let me just go back. I had this, this revelation. I was, I was just studying, reading, doing some devotions, and, and I came across this, um, this person that was, was sharing how, self, how much self-control Jesus had. And I was looking at self-control. Anybody ever struggle with issues of self-control? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I I looked at that and I thought, huh. And he said, Jesus, as he went through all the passion, all the suffering, the the whipping, the scourging, uh, all the bleeding, all the mocking, standing before Pilate, standing before Herod, uh, before the people, and they're all crying out for Barabbas. You know, I, know, I know my temperament. I probably wouldn't have been the same as Jesus when they were asking for Barabbas. I'd, I'd probably say, okay, you got Barabbas. Angels, we're out of here. Because you know? he could have called upon legions of angels at any moment. 
but he had the self-control. He had the self-control to follow the Father's will all the way through to the end. Usually when I look at self-control, I look at me trying not to eat something so that I can lose another pound. Or I, I, I look at something that I'm denying myself so I get a gain. But Jesus was denying himself of the gain. And he endured the suffering. He endured the suffering because of the joy of what was going to happen afterwards. I need a little more instant gratification than the the self-control that Jesus has that he could see the joy that was set before him. And so he endured the cross, scorning his shame. So self-control, I've been, I've been working on that. I've shared it, and I, I know it's transformed everybody's life. You've heard, you've heard you know, that little revelation that Jesus, and I'm saying, that, that did something for me. That, that empowered me, and, I, I, and I'm, able to, I'm able to really exercise more self-control. Not completely, but in certain areas, it was amazing. When I heard that, I applied it. It was like, wow, that really, really helps. So now I'm reading in devotions and it says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation for all people. It teaches us say, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we await the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Whoa. So now anytime I see self-control, it just jumps right off the Bible passage. It's like, whoa. But that hasn't had the full impact of it. And I know it. You know, and even when I share it with people, I say, now be careful how you hear this because, you know, you may be struggling with this, that, and the other. Uh, I'm not doing this to say, look at me. I'm puffed up. I've, I, I've got victory. And... No, it's, it's, it's in process. And I'm sure as, as, as my life continues and the journey continues and I see how the Holy Spirit wants to, to customize that to me and help me, I'll, I'll be more skilled at being able to testify to the power of the self-control of the one that lives in me. It's not my ability to control me. I know that I have the Lord Jesus who lives in me and he has the power and self-control, that when he was going through the most horrible thing that a person could go on, he still didn't cry out for comfort. He, He didn't take the escape pod. He stayed and endured to the end. Now, one of these days, I'll be able to share that and it'll have some power. We'll get somewhere down the road. So Revelation from God, experience of God, and all that that takes, that's so many. And so then we got John. John says that his writing of the gospel in 21, 24, he says, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We're reading what he wrote down when you're reading this in the Bible. Uh-huh. And we know that his testimony is true. Hallelujah. So he calls the gospel of John his testimony. Yeah, and it's a true testimony. And then we got others that, that keep going on and on and on. Uh, let's go to slide 12, 
Sue. Here's one that you know. Uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare, our testimony has power. In a, Revelation 12, 11, it says, they overcame him, talking about Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Wow. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. This gives us an opportunity to be thinking a little more uh, meditative, you know, take some time, don't be in a hurry, but look at what is your testimony? What is it that God's doing in your life? How would you say it? How would you give expression to it? In Revelation 19.10, it says, At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is an angel. This is an angel that is holding to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Don't worship me. Don't worship angels. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Oh, wow. And I've read that at many different places in my journey with the Lord, you know, in the spirit of prophecy. And, and, you know, I think of Isaiah and I think of Old Testament prophets. I think of the New Testament prophets. But the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, releasing the testimony of Jesus in us is what causes us to be a prophetic people. And that's where the word of the Lord comes from. I think that's where, you know, so many of, especially in our early development, we think, if I just study harder, I can be a better prophet. I'll be able to prophesy more. No, if you commune more with Jesus and you allow the gospel, his gospel, to permeate your entire being, you'll find that the spirit of prophecy will, will land and be released in and through you more and more. Right on. Testimonies are to encourage. They can, admish, they can admonish. Uh, they, they're hardly ever shaming. I've noticed that whenever I hear a shaming testimony, especially if I'm the one that gave it, I'm just thinking, boy, there really wasn't a lot of the Lord Jesus on that, was there? It was like a, he didn't seem to minister to anybody uh, with that word. I find that shame has more to do with religious and religious protocol and conduct than it ever does with the kingdom. I've done some shameful, horrible things that I... I have never been shamed about by, by the Lord. He's never shamed me. Where I've boo-booed, I screwed up, I sinned, whatever it was. I find with him, he works different than religion does. Religion really prides itself on its ability to judge and to proclaim condemnation. 
And I know, you know, I, I, I've had to wrestle with that religious spirit because I came into the church so early and that's usually where the religious spirit resides is in the church. And when you got to follow, follow rules instead of a person, you get all this stuff. You get the good confused with the bad and that which is bad becomes good and good. And it just gets all confusing. But when we, when we really encounter the authentic testimony of Jesus, there's hardly ever any shame in it. I, I can't think, if you can find an occasion, obviously email me, text me, come talk to me, let me, let me know. But personally, as I recount and as, as I remember in the scripture, I mean, Jesus goes after the Pharisees. He goes after the religious people. But, but, but the, the, the true believer, the, the, the one who, or even the unbeliever, I, I, no. I think when, when the woman at the well, when he says, you're right, you've spoken true, you're not married, but you've had five husbands. I don't think that was shaming. I don't think Jesus said that in a shameful way. I think he said it in a loving way that caused her to understand she's not talking to Joe Smith here. This guy knows stuff about me. Hmm. But check it out. Check it out. But try to make your testimony a non-shaming testimony. Okay? Especially if you're giving and you want someone to agree and witness with your spirit and bear witness with your spirit and be able to release the power of God. Let's look forward to that. Okay? Have you had enough? Uncle? Mercy. Dino Mike. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Michelle had a great testimony. She says, Do you still want me to give my testimony? Would you like to hear a testimony from Michelle? Yes. Anybody want to hear? Michelle, Michelle, would you like to? I guess I should have asked her. No. We we talked. Where did the oh, right there. Grab it as you come. No pressure. We want a perfect testimony. Well, some of you already heard this because I, I posted this to uh, Facebook a couple weeks ago. Um, and just to preface this, um, seven, or about eight years ago, um, I did it. I would have been fine to have ended, not celebrated Christmas, and gone all the way to um, the 1st of February. Some of you don't know that our son passed away. Um, January 24th, 2009. His birthday is January 2nd, so January, we kind of like to skip it. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was sitting here at work, and the song, um, Where Are You Christmas, came on. It was, it's um, from the movie, <laughs> the, Grinch, uh, the Grinch Stole Christmas. I'm going to read this, because I write better than I speak, okay? So I'm just going to read. Here, here at the Vineyard, uh, the leaders, the administrators, pastors, we only do the most spiritual activities. <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> um, but if you've never heard the song, it's, it's, it's kind of a sad song, but there, it's a good, it, it has a good ending to it. So if you've never heard it, and Faith Hill does an awesome job, so I've got to give her some credit on that. Um, but what I wrote was, who'd have thought that the music and lyrics from a song from How the Grinch Stole Christmas would somehow stir up tears of both sadness and joy? Odd combination, I know. 
especially when I look back almost eight years ago and found it hard to imagine my Christmas season being filled with joy again after the loss of our son. If you would have told me back then that I would be looking forward to Christmas time again, I would have believed you. Yet there has been such a deep healing of my heart where I thought there never would or could be. I miss John every single day. I long to hear his voice, hear his laughter, see his smile, and watch his happy dance. Those longings will never go away, but because God has been also been faithfully mending my heart little by little for the last seven years, I know that he brings new hope and new peace into my heart each and every day. And he brings the joy. And it's not a, just a Christmas thing either. It's a forever kind of thing. I thank God for his faithfulness in walking this long journey with me. And I know he and I aren't done yet. I also thank him for giving me a loving, caring husband to walk beside me, a daughter who is kind, compassionate, awesome, and my delight, and a community of family and friends, that's you guys, yes. who have been faithful in their care, encouragement, and love. And I just added, I just added this this morning. Personal losses and grief can come in many forms. Divorce, loss of a long-time career, an unexpected health issue. My testimony is to encourage anyone with a loss to lean into the Lord. Then healing can begin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was that a good testimony? Yes. Exalts mm-hmm. the Lord. It shares, uh, there's, there's, well, anything with Michelle has such a high level of integrity and honesty. And so you, you get that in her testimony. And w- when you hear that, it just, it draws you in. And you, you know, this is, this is someone that I can say yes to. I wonder how the Holy Spirit is using that testimony right now in our hearts. If you need him to do it again, This has been seven years developing and you may be somewhere in between that or maybe even after but still struggling with the grief. Let's let's say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Keep doing that, that creative, comforting work that transforms what once we couldn't do, now we're able to see joy in delight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, a, a history. Fletch's mom put you on the spot here, but she's, she's amazing on the spot. You were sharing that testimony of joy in, in the shower or whatever it was. Uh, that was so good. I think that would really, would, would anybody like to hear Ashley's testimony? You stay right there, sweetie. It would come to you. Because it has to do with that little bundle that she's holding right there. So, um, having a little one, there's not a lot of free time. So, shower time is amazing. (laughs) And um, there was one night where I was in the shower and I was just exhausted. No sleep. You know, sometimes I can't get away to eat. And then, you know, I'm just... You know, just exhausted, completely depleted, and 
So I'm in the shower and I just can't stop smiling. And I'm just so happy, even though I'm completely exhausted and I'm like, what is going on? It's like, you know, I'm so content, I'm so happy, but everything is, I hate to use the word miserable, but before, lack of sleep and all those things would be, you know, in the miserable category. And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me and he said that that's joy. And I was like, joy, wow. Because I don't think I ever felt joy before that. I kind of felt bad because, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to have joy. Never a fan of joy because it never sounded like a good thing. You know, it sounded Christian-like, but I was more of a happiness kind of person because it just sounded better. You know, and I tried, you know, I always wanted to have joy, but it was one of those things that I couldn't read a book or produce in myself or do on my own. It was just something that I just had to give to the Lord and have Him produce it through Him and nothing of myself. So it just kind of happened on a day where I wasn't expecting it. And just, you know, the strength of joy. Joy is such a strong thing, and I never knew that strength that joy has that happiness doesn't have. Amen. So it was just so amazing to experience that. So <laughs> Amen. I'm happy, thankful. <laughs> Mm. That's good. That's good. I haven't been sleeping in a while, and I guess from the stress and everything going on. And night before last, I lay in bed and with my headaches and everything. I just don't get sleep in my knee. The night before last, I was laying in bed and I was sleeping. And I have never in my life had the most wonderful sleep in my life. Everything in my dream was so vivid that everything in my dream surrounded me like angel wings. Hmm. And I slept so good. I have been rested for two days now. And it's been awesome. <laughs> it's been so awesome. Amen. Amen. Anybody want to get in on that testimony? Your sleep hasn't been going well? Pain? Mm-hmm. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus. <laughs> You're our testimony. You're our life. We pray, Father, that uh, joy would be released. <sighs> joy would be released in two dimensions. From never having experienced the strength and the fortitude of joy... Uh, to overcoming profound grief and sadness. Pray, Lord, let joy be released. And Father, for, for the sleep, for all those that are in pain that is keeping them from being able to sleep, what you have done for Barb, we say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. And do it again. Let the power of the healing of Jesus Christ be released. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.